You are listening to the Healing Pact Podcast, a place where women of color come to share their stories and their revelations. I'm talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Here, we highlight resilience, as well as validate and normalize real emotions and experiences. We push each other to be our best selves, a beacon of hope and an advocate for change. I am your host, Melina Sadler, licensed clinician, mom of one, and a survivor of childhood sexual assault. It is my mission to get women comfortable talking about their trauma, as I believe sharing our stories can encourage others to speak up and be real about our mental health. As women of color, we need to recognize how our identity plays a role in our past suffering. However, it also equips us with everything that we need to push through the hard stuff. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe to keep up with all the new releases of new episodes. Thank you so much for listening. Be well and be encouraged. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Healing Pack Podcast. I'm coming to you today with a special episode. This is the last episode I'm doing before my birthday. So the title of this episode is actually called Death to the Old Me. And the reason I'm doing this episode is because throughout my mental health journey, just my self-healing journey in general, I have put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself. And when I communicate with those in my life, I've seen this common trend of people putting pressure on themselves, trying to get back to a version of themselves that no longer exists. And I'm here to encourage everyone today to put that old version of yourself to rest. You do not need them. We cannot turn the clocks back. We cannot get our time back. It's okay to reminisce on what was, but we need to really focus on the present because the person you are today is not the person you were yesterday or the day before that, the month, the years before that. What you know now, you didn't know back then. And I need you all to extend some grace and compassion to that old version of yourself because at the end of the day, any decisions that were made or any actions that were taken, you did at that time because it was in your best interest, whether it was for survival, whether it was for love, you did what you knew best. And that's where that saying of if you knew better, you do better comes from because it's true. You cannot punish yourself or blame yourself for making a decision that might have pulled you away from who you once were if you felt in that specific moment that you were doing what you needed to do to survive or to just get through whatever it is you needed to get through. Put that old version of yourself to rest. And this came to me recently because... I've been looking at pictures of myself. For those that are close to me, they know that I've struggled with my weight for years. Um, you know, fighting against genetics, getting older, all these things. <clears throat> and the tremendous amount of pressure I put on myself year after year to try to lose this weight, to lose this weight, to lose this weight, to be healthier, to lose this weight, 
to look the way society deems best, you know, telling myself that I will never be in a successful relationship because I can't lose this weight because I don't look the way that other people look, telling myself that I have to go out and invest in all these things to make myself look a certain type of way, that my hair must always be done, my nails must always be done, I need to learn how to put on lashes, or maybe I should invest in getting them installed so that I can look a certain way, getting a certain brand of glasses, learning how to do makeup, all these superficial things that really don't mean shit. They really don't mean shit. Because as much as I've invested in certain things, my relationships didn't change. Because the relationship I had with myself was flawed. I got myself to a point where I didn't even like who I was. That I accepted bullshit after bullshit for years and years and years because I didn't have the strength or the courage to love myself wholeheartedly so that I didn't accept crap from other people. And to this day, it still makes me emotional because I feel like I know better. And this is something that I had to really process because at the time I didn't know better I was chasing fantasies of what I thought life should be. I allowed these things to cloud my judgment and pull me in a place where I strayed so far away from everything that felt familiar, everything that felt safe. My spirituality took the biggest blow. Because I was constantly on and off with men that didn't even believe in God. You know, and someone that grew up in the church, that just did not make any sense to me. And and granted, I went through that same phase of questioning God or questioning things that were in the Bible. I still believed in God. You know, I had my own ways of making sense of my religion and, and my spirituality and my walk with God. And that took me taking the time to invest in to try to figure those things out and no one could do that but me and now looking back at it I was really sad about how far I've come and I'm not a terrible person I know that now but back then I just wanted to fit in somewhere I just wanted to feel a love that I've never felt before. But I kept wanting it from the wrong people. I kept trying to salvage friendships and relationships that have been dead for so long that it didn't even make sense that I was still communicating with people. It makes absolutely no sense. But it made sense to me at that point, right? So... That person, you know, really struggled with an unhealed inner child. You know, this child that that wanted acknowledgement, this child that wanted someone to pay attention to them, to love them, to validate them, because that's something that I feel like I never really got. And when I talk a lot about being a workaholic or... um just overworking myself, these things are trauma responses. 
these things are trauma responses. And that's why sometimes I get frustrated when people tell me they don't know how I do it. Like I said, I don't know how I do it either, but it's a trauma response. I feel like I have to act in this way in order to receive the acknowledgement that I never had. I have to overwork myself. I have to do more than the average person. And it came down to the point of me feeling like I'm not normal, that I can't have the privilege of sitting back and just being content with the way life is because that never feels like enough. And every time I accomplish something, people give me praises for it. The feeling of being content or the feeling of receiving that only lasts a few seconds for me. And I realize that I'm at a point in my life where I have never really been able to accept compliments for people because it either never felt genuine or my mind immediately shifted to, okay, so what do I have to do next to continue to keep this validation, to continue to have people think that I'm this great person, that I have to keep working hard and they're going to love me because I do all these great things. I have to constantly feel like I'm showing people that I'm doing great things all the time and I am not in a position to sit there and bask in the moment because I'm constantly on to the next thing all the time. And when I really sat back and thought about where that came from, it came from my parents because there are certain things in life that I've done that were always expected of me. You know, as a child, I was expected to go to school. I was expected to get good grades. Those things are not seen as accomplishments because you're supposed to do them. I was expected to graduate and go to college. You're supposed to do that. I was expected to decide on a career choice that will bring the family money. That's where I went wrong. And that's where all hell broke loose because... I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be a nurse. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be in the tech field because it wasn't for women. You know, all these preconceived notions that came with society's view of what rich look like. You know, as a child who was born in this country, who's the first child of two parents who were not born in this country, the amount of pressure I had on me was debilitating. I had to be perfect all the time. I was only at home or school or church. That's it. I didn't go anywhere else. I never really got to experience sleepovers as a child. I never really got to experience many birthday parties as a child. My parents were not trusting and they tend to cling to other parents of friends who were just as not trusting as they were. All of these things led to me feeling boxed in. And I feel like this is something that should be talked about more because the older I get, the more I have these conversations, the more that I meet other people who have similar experiences, the more I realize it's not okay. And granted, it's a shared experience and maybe we can have conversations because we all know what it feels like. But there's this really big realization that a lot of us, unfortunately, have been raised by narcissists, you know, and 
the idea of narcissism is very complex. And I know a lot of it is rooted in in trauma. A lot of our parents, especially those of us who have parents who came from places like the Caribbean, West Indies, they are very much stuck in their ways. They were raised a certain way. They were raised with tough love. And because of that, they have grown to be reactive adults that don't always know what they're doing. And yes, maybe they do have good intentions or maybe they have their child's best interest at heart, but it doesn't come off that way. And because we are a generation that's more vocal and we talk about these things and we have these shared experiences, we now have words and terminology to put towards it. We're fighting for ourselves. We're advocating for ourselves. We are coming to terms with the experiences that we had. We are paying attention to the fact that these things were not ideal And it caused a lot of us to have these boxed-in childhood experiences that have caused us to have some negative attributes as adults that we don't know how to handle. A lot of people struggle with things like being emotionally unavailable because as a child, they didn't have a safe space to express themselves. You know, one thing I talk about a lot is kind of you know, staying in a child's place, you know, like you should be seen, not heard. You shouldn't be speaking unless you're spoken to. You couldn't say anything that even remotely seemed like you were talking back because you would be punished. And nine times out of 10, it was an ass whooping. And they didn't care where they did it. It could be in the street, it could be home. But you know, when you go out, it's like, okay, you're the perfect parent. You're going to get all this praise because your child is so put together. Your child is so intelligent. Your child is so well-behaved. And people don't even recognize half the time you're just living in fear, you know, in your parents' expectations. And I was definitely one of those children that wanted so badly to be perfect all the time, as exhausting as it was. I wanted to be perfect. And there's a specific incident that I remember at the age of 12 where I used to have some really weird behaviors that I couldn't make sense of at the time. But, you know, being a a therapist now, I, I can understand that those things were a result of trauma. And one thing I used to do, I was always big on writing. I really always enjoyed writing poetry. I loved music. I loved lyrics and really breaking down the meaning behind lyrics or even just what emotions, you know, the writer was evoking in that moment to to write such a beautiful song or to write such a song that had these really hard lyrics where they were angry and that's how they were expressing themselves. I always wanted to find ways to express myself in a way that I felt was healthy. But when I think back about different things I did, one thing I remember doing was I used to write like journal entries and I used to prick my finger and um, I used to like sign in blood. You know, and and these are things that I forget about (laughs) because they're not my reality anymore. But I used to do weird things like that. And, you know, these are self-harming behaviors. You know, uh, granted, it's not, you know, slitting my wrist or, you know, burning myself or anything like that that could be more easily noticed. But these are things that I was doing as a preteen because I didn't know how to express myself. And I wanted so badly to find an outlet where I can express myself And I don't know what symbolism putting blood on paper was for me in the moment. I don't know if that made it real, but that's something that I used to do. 
And for someone who doesn't like needles and for someone who doesn't like pain, I can't even wrap my head around the fact that I used to do that on a regular basis because I do not like pain at all. And there was another time around the same age where my mother caught me with a knife one time and I don't think I had any intentions of harming myself, but the gesture of holding the knife as if I wanted to stab myself in the chest or the heart, was a scary thing for her. And I specifically remember her asking me over and over, why are you not happy? And I had no answer. She literally kept asking me, what is making you upset? What is making you sad? Why do you feel like that's even something you should be doing? Why are you not happy? We gave you everything. You have a home, you have food, you have clothes, you have family. You get to go to school, you get to go to church, you get to have friends. You never have to ask for anything. And I didn't. But it just goes back to show the idea of what my parents believed to be a good life compared to what they had was skewed. My parents didn't readily have food all the time. They didn't readily have clothes all the time. You know, my mom is like one of seven children, you know, so she had to share a lot of what she had growing up. And when she sees my brother and I have stability, she feels like she did her job. My father has a very similar way of thinking, even though he had more than what my mother had as a child. He feels like because he was able to provide, he was able to make a good salary, he was able to have a really stable job for 20 plus years, he feel like he did his job as a father. So when my brother and I come to them with this notion of we need more, or we need you to listen, or we need you to understand us, we need you to validate us, we need you to encourage us. It's like, why do you need those things when we gave you the bare minimum? Because the bare minimum to us is the utmost for them. And when you think about things like the hierarchy of needs, some of the things like food, water, those are things that are at the bottom of the pyramid. But it seems as though parents from that generation forget about the rest of the pyramid. Like, what about the pinnacle? What about, you know, the validation, the self-love and, and things like that, the modeled behaviors that you didn't show me? I think they forget sometimes that a lot of children pick up learned behaviors. And I always find it interesting when I have conversations with my mom when she talks about how outgoing I was as a child. I was always the kid at the party that was dancing and I was always happy. And then one day it just stopped. And I have no idea when it just stopped because, you know, children don't really have memories. We really rely on pictures and videos and, you know, other people's opinions of what happened that day to kind of form what we remember about our childhood. And if your childhood was filled with trauma, many times you won't have many memories at all. You'll have, you know, a a lot of gaps (laughs) in your memory where you're just like, okay, didn't even remember that happened until something in your adult life brings it to light. When you start to think about when did I feel like this, that's when it pops up again. And, you know, I forget that I did some of these things. And it hurts me to know that I was once this outgoing child who one day shut down and I became ridiculously shy, very quiet, 
I remember I used to always tell people like, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. And people wouldn't answer me. And then when I would ask them like, why don't you answer me? They're like, I didn't even hear you. And it's like, oh, I'm really talking really low. And I don't know when I got like that. I don't know why I got like that, but I can imagine it's something linked to a specific incident or maybe I just really fell into that groove of nobody's talking to me, so I shouldn't be saying anything right now. I was always the the child in class that never wanted to raise their hand, even though they knew the right answer. It just kept going, you know, year after year. And I find that those same type of behaviors ended up spilling over into other areas of my life. I got into relationships where I wasn't able to be vocal. I, I always was on like one end of the spectrum. I was either talking too much or I wasn't talking at all. And I found myself being in a place where I would literally mold myself to be what I think my partner wanted me to be. And I was never genuinely who I was because I didn't even know who that was. And that's why I said I ended up in a lot of relationships that were just full of crap because I'm pretty sure these partners had narcissistic tendencies, a lot of them. Some of them probably smelled my insecurities and was like, okay, this is someone that can be easily easily manipulated. And that's just how life went. And I think the more you have these awakenings and I really just grow to learn who I am as a person, I still to some degree don't know who I am as a person. I'm just kind of going with the flow and learning as I go because my identity is forever evolving. And I'm finally looking at that as if it's not a bad thing. And I'm tired of being exhausted of trying to figure out who I once was and how I can get back to that. And that's why I said, this episode is titled Death to the Old Me. I'm never going back there. I don't like who I was back then. I'm not going to blame her. I'm going to definitely thank her for everything that she's done, for the the actions that she took for doing what she felt was best. And now as a grown adult that has more knowledge, more experience, I'm now going to make the decisions that I see fit now. And I'm going to thank her for what she did back then. And I'm going to do what I need to do now to be a better person in the future. But I'm so tired of trying to go back to what I was because I feel like that's been the root of my depression. That's where I got lost because I spent so many days waking up trying to figure out, well, what was I doing back in 2014 or in 2003? What did I do to lose weight then? Or what did I do to feel good about then? Or maybe I can go take a class about this because that's something I was doing. I was constantly in a state of burned out and I can't do it anymore. I always laugh with my friends because we we talk all the time about like, I don't know how in college I used to like do all this stuff, go out drinking, go out hanging out, come in at four o'clock and then get up for eight o'clock class, like just functioning on no sleep, no self-care. That's not how life is supposed to be. And now that we're older, I feel like our bodies are really feeling it now. It's like, ma'am, you need to go to sleep. Like, go to sleep, rest your body. We will do this again tomorrow. We are not young anymore. We're not going to be running the streets full of alcohol and whatever else and just expecting to function. It, it doesn't work like that anymore. We have so much more on our plate, so much more responsibility. And I really just want to spend this next chapter of my life really building who I am and, and, and growing 
to be a person that I can truly be in love with so that I can exude that in everything that I do and in all the connections that I have. And I am still single. It's perfect, perfectly fine. You know, at this point, I'm single by choice. So, you know, sometimes I ask myself, like, do I even want a relationship? Because I'm falling so much in love with who I am as a person and who I'm turning into that I am not really ready to share that with anybody yet. And not to say I'm not a great person and there are not great people out there because there are, but I need to be able to to take this in. I need to be able to have this for myself right now. And when I'm in a position that I want to share it with somebody else and I want someone else to bask in my greatness, then at that point we can be together. But for right now, mm -mm, no, this is all for me. This is all me. I'm going to enjoy this period of doing what I need to do and building this life that I want for myself. And I'll see where the future takes me from there. But like I said in the last episode, self-care is a priority. I'm a priority. Nothing is going to come before that. And I'm happy that I've had this shift in mindset because I was not like this before. And I don't want to repeat the same mistakes that I made. Like I said, the old me did what she had to do. The new me is going to grab the baton and I'm going to keep running until I feel like I've gotten where I need to be. And with that being said, we're going to wrap up this episode. Next week is my birthday episode and I'm really excited about it because I always use this time to reflect. I'm going to be traveling to Brazil this weekend, so I'm really happy about that because that is something that was on my bucket list and this is part of me creating the life that I want for myself. So ta-ta, be well, be encouraged, and I will see you guys next week in the next episode.